What's up, everybody? Welcome to Three Wide in the Middle with me, Thomas Bannon, and my man, as always, Keith Bradley. Keith, how's it going? What's going on, guys? How are you? I'm doing good, man. Big, big show today because we were off last week. Hope everybody had a a good holiday. Uh, how was your Fourth of July, Keith? Um, didn't really see a whole lot of fireworks. I was stuck behind my desk at work for the last eleven days, so I'm. It was as good as it could be. <laughs> That's a bummer. I I'm with you, man. Yes, uh, last yesterday, last night was like my one night off in like a 10 day stretch because we've got yeah prime day at Amazon. We just had on the 12th and the 13th and it's crazy busy right now. And so I've actually got work tonight and tomorrow night. And so 4th of July, I was lucky that, um, I actually had it off. So I was able to spend some time with the family. I had work though, Tuesday morning, that day after 4th of July, I had work at 3 a.m., so didn't didn't get to stay up too late on Fourth of July, but um, was able to to get the, you know barbecue and spend time with the family and all that stuff. But you you every you know it's funny because we light off fireworks out at my in laws' house out in Live Oak, just little town um, you know outside of of where we live. And every year, this has to be probably the third year or fourth year in a row. Every year. There's this jackass down the street on 4th of July who comes out with his gun and starts firing it off. And then every year someone calls the cops and every year because I'm because we're on the corner lighting off the fireworks, the cops come and talk to me because I'm the one out in the street lighting them off. And every year I got to go. Yeah, it's same jackass down the street shooting his gun off again like (laughs) Every year, and this guy, this year, dude did not disappoint. Did it again. And look, I am pro gun. I I believe that I have the right to defend myself with the handgun if I so choose. But I also believe to do it responsibly. Fourth of July is not when I go whip my Glock forty out and start firing it off <laughs> in oh, celebration no. of Independence Day. And I'm like, dude, moron. What are you out of all the stuff that you could be lighting off? Why are you shooting your gun? Like, light a firework like the rest. of us so yeah so that was that was our fourth july it was a lot of fun but we had a lot going on the last couple of weeks um i did get the youtube channel up uh there's nothing no videos on it yet but i did get it up and and so we got that finally taken care of we'll be getting stuff up on that um here very very soon we'll also be doing here hopefully in the coming months we'll be getting it set up to where uh, I'm hoping we'll actually be able to do um, uh, a live show on it too. So that would be, so that'd be cool. That'd be so cool. yeah, so stuff in the works with that. So not all that stuff done in the limited time that we've had. Um, but yeah, so last couple of weeks, we've had a ton of stuff happening. We have a bunch of stuff that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, big news with Kyle Larson and the Chili Bowl that Keith was just telling me about. We were talking about before the show started. Um Obviously, we have, you know, the King's Royal is kicked off this weekend as David Gravel won Joker's Wild last night. So we'll talk about that. Uh, Some stuff happening in the USAC side of things. But we've got to start with the NASCAR side of the aisle. And particularly because of our man, Ross Chastain. Now, really quick, before I get into this, 
Me and Keith, if you're new to the show, and if you are, thank you for joining us. But if you're new to the show, understand me and Keith have been very big advocates of Ross Chastain. I'm personally, I've loved what he's done this year in terms of his racing and stuff like that. And Keith, I know you feel the same way. He's just been awesome. Yeah, he's been awesome, man. And what Trackhouse has done as a whole has been incredible. And when I was watching the race in Atlanta on Sunday, I noticed that there has now been a shift in the story of Ross Chastain. I'm going to explain to you what I mean by this, okay? But before I do that, I got to lay out some context for you, a little bit of background so you understand where I'm coming from. Because I can promise you nobody else is going to look at at this the way that I'm going to lay it out for you right now. It will happen eventually, but not right now, okay? And I'll explain to you what I mean by that. But... First, understand that there's very few things that I'm like awesome at, right? Like I, I always joke that I'm 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 great at nothing and mediocre at all. Like it's you know, it's kind of a running joke. But in reality, I, I I'm like, you know, average at a lot of stuff. Um, but there's a couple of things that I'm like really, really good at. One of the things that I'm really, really good at is storytelling and, and, you know, structure and stuff like that, right? Obviously, I can talk, okay? That's one of the few gifts that I have. And when it comes to story structure, we as society, right? Just society as a whole, not just the media or anything like that, but just society as a whole, we love to look at everything through the lens of story. It's how we communicate on every aspect, right? I mean, just look at what me and Keith talked about for the last five minutes, right? Our 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 holidays, our Fourth of July. How did we convey that to you? We it, we conveyed it in the form of a story, right? Because if we don't do that, if it's just some kind of just dry, you know, static. Well, here's what I did. Dot dot dot. Like that's that's boring. Okay, it, nobody wants to hear that, and it doesn't convey the um, actual you know context of what was going on okay if you understand what i mean like it doesn't convey the emotion right the the atmosphere just everything okay so that is really how we communicate with one another on every level right and now this has been lost in some sense when it comes to social media because of twitter and the you know like crap like that but overall when you talk to your family or your friends whatever everything is through the context of story all right. And the way that we look at our athletes or movie stars or just whoever is popular in our society, we look at it through the story. This is why we talk so much about we love to build people up, but then we love to tear them down. And what do we love to do after we tear them down? What do we love to see? We love to see a redemption story, right? Like we love to see a redemption story. It's why everybody went nuts when Tiger Woods won the Masters after all that stuff had happened because it was redemption, right? And it really, really paints the picture of who you are. Now, there's a caveat with this though. And the caveat is results. You see, we love to play the results and then go back and pick our story. All right. And I'll give you a couple of examples of this. Okay. Right now, if you're an NFL fan, Baker Mayfield was the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns, right? He just got traded to the Carolina Panthers. When Baker Mayfield came into the league, right? He was this brash, hot shot, 
mouthy, right? Like young kid. And it was like, no, 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 man. His teammates love him and they ball for him because he's got this brashness and he's got this take no prisoners attitude. And he, he goes out and he plays hard and he talks trash. And we love that about him. Right now, a couple of years later, well, what's the what's the story on Baker Mayfield now? Well, it's now it's he's petty. He can't let stuff go. He's immature. And the only difference from what he was then and what he is now is the fact that he has not been winning. That is literally the only difference. Baker Mayfield is the same person today as he was four years ago. The only difference is, is back then when he was coming out of college, he was a winning quarterback. He was a stud. Right? He was a Heisman Trophy finalist. Like he was a stud right? Playing in the, the playoff, the national championship, like he was the man at Oklahoma, a, a top five, you know, top five program in college football. Now he just got traded from literally the walking punchline of the NFL, the Cleveland Browns, right? Like they're like, yeah, we just can't handle him no more. Okay. That's the only thing. And it, the only reason Cleveland traded him is because he hasn't been winning. If he had been winning that stuff that is a negative right now would have been a positive. We look back on that and we would say, no, 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 that's, we love the fact that he's got a chip on his shoulder and he takes no prisoners. He's got that killer instinct. That's what we would say. But because he's losing, it's the opposite. All right. Take Michael Jordan. Okay. Michael Jordan is hands down the greatest basketball player to ever live, right? Anybody who's a fan of basketball, you can make arguments about maybe, you know, someone Kareem's a better scorer, right? Or maybe Wilt was more dominating or Russell, you know, Bill Russell won more champions, right? Was the ultimate teammate. But at the end of the day, if you say, hey, who's the man? It's Michael Jordan, all right? Michael Jordan was the was the most hardcore competitor you would ever come across, right? Dude punches his team, you know, hits his teammates, right? Is just, they're terrified of him. Just hardcore, take no prisoners, right? Does anything that he can to win. And because he won six championships and MVPs and did all this stuff, we look at that as a positive. And there's a great story that was told about Michael Jordan during the last dance, which was the 10 part documentary on the bulls last season together with Michael Jordan. And it's on Netflix. You, you have not seen that. Even if you're not a sports fan, watch it. Cause it's incredible. But there was a story. So Michael Jordan, the bulls were playing against the Clippers. The Clippers had a guy by the name of La Bradford Smith. La Bradford Smith was a rookie. Bradford Smith comes out and drops 37 points on the bulls at the end of the game. Michael Jordan said that LeBradford Smith came up, put his arm around him, and told him, good game, Mike. All right? So now it's now it's on, right? They're playing him on a back-to-back, -back, so now they're flying to Los Angeles. They're going to play the Clippers in L.A. Michael Jordan tells his teammates, I'm going to have as many points as he had in the game. I'm going to score that in the first half on this kid. And he targeted that kid and just humiliated him right i mean just schooled him jordan has 36 points in the first half now when you watch the documentary and you watch the people who talk about this story all right because what ended up happening is years later they find out when they ask michael jordan about the LeBradford smith story michael jordan says nah i made that up LeBradford Smith never put his arm around Michael Jordan, never told him good game, never said, did or said anything to him. But because Michael Jordan is considered the ultimate winner, 
People say, oh, well, there's nothing that he won't do to put himself in the mindset that he needs to be in to win. Right? Think about that. The dude was, he made up a story. Just bald face lied. Right? Yes, he went out and scored 36 and, and, and did what he needed to do, but just made up a story. If Michael Jordan is not Michael Jordan, we would look at him and say, dude, he's a sociopath bouncing a ball. Like, we would be like, what the fuck's wrong with this guy? Making up stories? You got to make shit up to go out and do your job? Shut up and do your job. Go out and play basketball. But because he's Michael Jordan, we look at that and it's like, oh, that's a killer instinct, man. He's got that edge. And right now, Ross Chastain is at the crossroads of which path he's going to go down. He's at that crossroads. Ross Chastain, after, after the Martin Truex crash, right? We're not even to the Denny Hamlin part yet. After the Truex incident, and he's working his way back through the field, just about every car that he passed, if you go back and you watch, you will see people, they're just annoyed with him. And he's not even hitting him. He's not even doing anything wrong. He's got 50% of the field that just don't like him anymore. They just don't like the dude because of past you know, transgressions. And because of how he is. And outside of that, the fans, right? The media, we have already now written that script. Those, The narrative has been written on Ross Chastain. And it's all going to be dependent upon now what his results are. If Ross Chastain wins races and wins a championship or two championships, he, you mark my words, mark my words, he will be regarded as... In the, the Dale Earnhardt category, I'm not saying he'll be as heralded as Dale Earnhardt, right? We're talking about someone that's considered to be the GOAT. But that's the way he will be looked at in terms of aggressive driving. No, no, no. He's aggressive. He don't take prisoners. He's out there to win. But if he doesn't win, he's going to be looked at like Robbie freaking Gordon. 100%. He's going to be looked at someone's like, he's got talent. He overdrives himself. He can't control it. He's rough around the edges. He doesn't get it. 100%. We saw this with Kyle Bush. Kyle Bush was hated. We saw this with Kurt Bush. Winning fixes everything. It changes the narrative. It changes the perception about you. And Ross Chastain, the man needed in his post-race interview, he had on national TV, he had NASCAR security around his fucking car so people couldn't get to him. Like, he had like security, a ring of security around him. That's where he's at right now when it comes to his competitors. And I noticed this. Everybody is saying something about him because look, the incident with Denny, in my opinion, the incident with Denny, that was not anything. Like at Gateway, he went into that like I'm, I'm sending it, and sorry, Denny, you're just on the short end of the stick, right? Like that, that, that's basically what it was. At Atlanta, he was aggressive. He should know better, but it, that wasn't. I mean, that's just he lost nose of the car, went up the track, and Denny Hamlin just happened to pay for it. That wasn't like him just being just overly aggressive, moronic, stupid, right? Like that's just him not knowing when to back off. Okay, two completely different things. But because he has the rep that he has now amongst his peers, that's the way it's seen. And every driver now, the vast majority of them. Right? They all say it. They're all talking about it. Okay? Up got caught up in Ross's crap again. Up, the guy's a freaking idiot. Up, his decisions are going to have consequences. It's already looked at that. 
but I've heard both sides of the story from a lot of different people in the media, TV, whatever. And the, that those two narratives are already written for Ross Chastain. It's only up to what he's going to do now on the track. If he wins races and wins a championship, mark my words, he will be regarded as a Tony Stewart, Dale Earnhardt, that type of driver. Take no prisoners, got that edge. That's what we want to see. If he doesn't win, we're going to fucking torch him for it. 100%. Just like we have done with Baker Mayfield and all the other guys who go through that stuff. Keith, thoughts? Wow. Um. So, I, I was... And then... You know, just as well as everybody that listens, I, I'm a big Ross Chastain advocate. Mm-hmm. Where, 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 when comes the time where the sand's drawn in the line where enough is enough? Yes. Because, yeah, does everybody like a bad boy in, in the sport of NASCAR? Absolutely. I think it's great for the sport, but I think a line is being crossed now. Because of the fact that if you can't, and it goes to the motto, if you can't pass him, crash him. Yeah. And that's kind of what Ross has been doing. And, and I think it's going to take one time to where he's going to wreck the wrong guy. And then it's going to be game on. I think what makes the whole situation worse is, um, Justin Marks going on the Dale Jr. Download and backing Ross for everything he's done this season. And, and, there's some things where Ross has done this season where I've sat back and I'm like, damn, okay, I didn't know he could do that. Yeah. And he yeah. and he's opened a lot of people's eyes, but now he's opening their eyes in the wrong way. Exactly. In the completely wrong way. And and I don't think he's gonna have a chance to win a championship because I think if Denny misses a round, Ross is probably gonna miss the next round. I think Denny's going to get him back when it, when it, when it's going to hurt the most. Yeah. You know, that was something that I, when I listened to, um, the, a clip from the Dale jr. Download, it must've been from yesterday or the day before or something like that. And junior's co-host, what's his name? Mike Davis was talking about that. Yeah. Cause he was, his thing is, is like, look, these guys are all talk. They keep saying they're going to pay him back. Then no, no one ever does anything. And I'm, Denny's not a sissy and Denny's also not an idiot, right? You don't, you don't make it to NASCAR running short tracks like Denny Hamlin does and not know how to turn somebody. You know what I mean? Like if there's one thing you learn on a short track, it's how to, it's how to get someone out the way, how to, how to turn somebody. And so I, I'm with you, man. I kind of think Denny's going to be waiting for that op opportune moment. You know, I think he's going to wait for the, that situation where, you know, like he's got a tally sheet right now on the dash where he's like, all right, just one more, you know, instead of me dumping you in the round of 16, now I'm going to dump you in the round of eight, right? Like, I mean, just that, that type of thing where I think he's waiting for it to be at its most, um, we're going to see a Matt Kenseth versus Joey Logano all over again. Yeah. I think, you know what I mean? I think we're going to see something, something like that because it's uh, it's I don't think it, it Denny's to the point now where it's not enough for him to just go move him out of the way of Martinsville. No, you know I mean, like that's we're past that. Yeah, we're way past that. And and I don't think Ross should change the way he's driving. Um, maybe back it off a little bit. Quit quit wrecking so many so many guys. But I, just, I mean, on, I think on he the just other hand, needs to learn. I think he just needs to learn 
the the I don't know what you would call it, the kind of situational racing, right? Maybe, the, you know, take into consideration kind of, you know, the strategy of the race more. Like, you don't have to lead every lap, you know, that type of thing. Like, hey, man, and, there is a time where you can crack that throttle. It's okay. Yeah, and and I get it. It's his first ever big, real big opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, and he's out to prove himself. But I think he's doing it all in the wrong way. Like I, I'll still, I'll still root for him. I still think he's a good image for NASCAR. He, I'm, NASCAR needs a bad boy, just not in that way. Yes, I, I think it's going a little too far now. Um, I still, I still think if he wrecks the wrong guy, and it'll, it won't be good on his end. Because I mean, look at all the stuff that Kevin Harvick's been through. Yeah. Imagine mm-hmm. him getting wrecked for a win again. Yep. I just, I don't know. I, yeah. I like it, but I don't like it at the same time. I mean, the same thing could be said about Noah Gregson. Yep. The, them guys are putting the wrong image on themselves, mm-hmm. and now guys are looking at him like, whoa. Yep. He's aggressive, but he drives way over his head. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's, let, why I, that's why I talked about the way that I talked about it because what? Ross is at that point now where people are starting to question it. And the only way that it's going to be worth it is, is if he reaches that point, he's got to, he's got to not just clean things up. It's got the, the end, the ends have to justify the means, right? I don't mean yep. that he goes out and just keeps wrecking people to win races. I mean, like, you know, if he's going to have these issues, he better be backing it up with all the results. To, Absolutely. To add that 100%. counterbalance to it. You know what I mean? Because otherwise it's going to be, he's going to be looked at as someone like, like I said, like a Robbie Gordon, you know? Yeah. I, it's yeah. really like, that's, that's how he's going to be seen. I guess I would look at it different if he didn't rack Martin Truex Jr. for third at Dover. Yeah. Well, and that's and the what, thing. And what he needs to do, he just needs to go out and win a clean race. Right. Because mm-hmm. he, he, he moved guys for, the coda win the guys move themselves for him to win at talladega yep he just needs to go out and do what daniel suarez did yeah run a perfect race and don't just wreck win. nobody and just win mm-hmm. and then put that all in the past now granted you done wrecked any hamlin one too many times so the yeah payback coming yeah it, it's coming denny is Sometimes he's all talk, but I don't think he's messing around anymore. I think he's tired of it, and I would be too. Yeah, I would be too as well. Um, Especially if he misses out on a round of the playoffs going into the next round. Now I would be worried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think I do think there's a lot of those guys that are talk, and I think a lot of that has to do with just the the way NASCAR is now. It's not what it was when we grew up. You know what I mean? No. You can't just go out and do those things like you used to. Uh, you know, it's just, I, I mean, for all sorts of reasons, you know, sponsorships, corporate money, NASCAR rules. You know what I mean? Well, just that, that type of stuff. It, that and I don't think the old veterans of the sport are going to put up with it too much longer because then everybody that's listening to the podcast knows the old veterans they raced in a time where if you wreck somebody you're getting your ass kicked yeah after the race yeah and i think the veterans are eventually gonna be pushed to that point where they're gonna have to do something and now it's to the point where ross Chastain has to have people around him at all times after a race 
I know, which is crazy. That says which a is lot. Absolutely crazy. And it's not a good thing. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. So, so yeah, interesting, interesting uh situation with Ross. Now, Ross aside, what did you think of the race? Uh, uh, with uh, uh Chase Elliott winning, I gotta tell you, I was happy to see Chase Elliott win. Um, those last couple laps, I was I was kind of in a in a no lose situation. I would have been. I would have been super stoked to see Corey LaJoy get a win just I because I like Corey LaJoy, man. Car, man. I was too, man. I, I was love the underdog it. story. Yeah, but um, to see Chase win and that, you know, him being from Georgia, that being his home track and all that stuff like that was really, really cool. The place went nuts every time he went, the, he got the lead. And to be honest, he pretty much dominated the, the race. He was oh, the car to sure. beat the whole day. He won every stage, I believe. Yeah, he won both stages and the, yeah, and the race. So, you know, he showed to be the car to beat, um, the whole day. So what did you think of the racing overall? Well, I think the, the racing overall was really good. Um, I mean, nobody could touch the nine for the most part. It, it, this time around at Atlanta, it didn't race like it did last time. Um, I actually thought I, it was, a, I thought it was better. I thought it this was time. better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I the was, heat had a lot to do with that. Yeah, the track was slicker. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was good. Now, if you rewind back to Road America, I, it was be- way better in Road America. Um, yes. Unfortunately, I don't think Road America would be on the schedule next year, which sucks because I love that place. Probably my favorite road course that they go to. Um, But, I mean, overall, I think it was great. Um, I still miss the old... Atlanta layout to where attrition set in and you really had to take care of your car, your tires. Um, but this new Atlanta is kind of wearing on me. So it was really good. I thought I, I liked the racing. Yeah, I liked it too. Um, I gotta be honest. I, I would really like, and I know they'll never do this, but if we're going to go to that track twice a year, I would really like to see them do a race with the low downforce, high horsepower package, just to see how that track races with the, you know, with the full, the full, you know, the, the regular mile and a half package, because yes, I get it. The pack racing and all that stuff like that. And that's what they, they want and they like it. And, I get it, man. And it's exciting. And you're on the edge of your seat because it's, it's nonstop. And dude, those laps, dude, they click those laps off super fast. And this week was better. The track was hotter. There was way more issues with people and handling. Like you, there was a lot of drivers complaining about their cars, not handling good, which is, I, I like that. I don't want everybody to just be out there. Like it's Daytona and Talladega and it doesn't matter. Like you're just glued to the track wide open. I, I think that sucks. So, you know, I was happy to see that, but I would just love to see them run with the the high horsepower package just to see how that new track races cuz I think it would be really good racing with it like I think that it would as well. A better race. Yeah, I think it would too, you know. So, um, you know, I know they'll never do that, but it would it was just it would be a a cool fantasy if it could ever happen. Now, that being said, and we said this last time after they raced at the new Atlanta track um, this year, 
Um, and I want to reiterate this. Just because I liked the race this last Sunday does not mean I want to see every mile and a half race like this. All right. I don't want that. Okay. Um, people who think that this type of racing would be good at every single track. No, it wouldn't. It would suck. Right? I don't want Vegas to be like this. I don't want California to be like this or Michigan or any other track that they go to. There's a reason why the drivers all wanted the high horsepower low downforce. It's because this type of racing, look, look, if this was, if they were it with the normal package, that incident with Ross and Truex, right? Wouldn't have, wouldn't have caught up a bunch of other cars. That incident with Ross and Denny wouldn't have cost half the field, wouldn't have wrecked half the field. All right. When everyone's bunched up within a half a second of each other, that's how you get the quote unquote big one. So Getting the field spread out more and that type of stuff, that that stuff's awesome, man. I love that kind of racing. You know what I mean? Pack racing's great too. Like I like it, but it's it's to me, it's a it's more of a novelty, right? What makes Daytona and Talladega special is their Daytona and Talladega, right? We do those race, we go to those tracks twice a year. There's only four of those restrictor plate races a year. Now we've got I mean, I know they don't run restrictor plates anymore, but you know, that type of racing right now, we got two more with Atlanta. All right. We don't need more. We don't need more of them because I've seen no. and heard people out there saying, well, let's do this at the other. No, let's not. All right. These cars are finally racing good on the, they're finally good on a mile and a half track for the first time in years. Let's not screw it up. Okay. So, so yeah, overall pretty good weekend. Um, enjoyed it. Lots of, obviously lots of controversy. Now, really quick, the weekend before we got to touch base on that real quick, just because your man, Tyler Reddick did get his first win, Finally, which was, Finally. which was awesome, which was awesome to see, man. That was a, uh, that was a pretty good race. I did not get to watch that race. I caught the highlights of it, but I was definitely happy to see, uh, Tyler Reddick get his first win. Absolutely. And and the racing there was, it was really good. I mean, there wasn't a natural yellow. Um, the racing was kind of boring, but unfortunately, I think I think Road America is going to lose her spot on the schedule, which sucks because if you look at the race and don't even watch the race, look how packed the the infield was, mm -hmm. the stands. I mean, there was a boatload of people there. I mean, yeah. it, it looks sold out to a point, but unfortunately, I think, I think they lost their spot on the schedule, which sucks because the Xfinity race was really good. The, the cup race, I, I think they need to do something with the stages on, if they go back to road America next year, if they do, they need to do something with the stages because you can't roll around for 10 minutes under yellow. No, that track's too big, man. Yeah, it's way too big. They got to find ways to either A, cut the course mm -hmm. to make it shorter as far as pace laps go, or just go away with the stages. Yeah, throw the yeah. green checkered at the stage break, but keep racing. Give yeah. out the stage points. Um, yeah. Outside of that, man, it was really good. Uh, Tyler Reddick finally got that monkey off his back and, and opened a new door for himself, which is great. Yeah, it was, it was cool to see, man. Road America is, I, I do like that track. Um, it is, uh, it's a really unique road course. I, 
you know, these cars are, 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 you know, they're definitely better than the previous generations when it comes to the road course racing. Um, I still feel like they could be better on the road course side. You know, it's so funny yeah. when going into the, the year with this next gen car, you know, it was like these cars were built for road racing and short tracks. And we were hoping that the mile and a half and the, you know, the super speedways that they'd be good. And it's been like the reverse, like the short tracks and the road courses they've been okay at. And then the speedways, they've been awesome. And so I, you know, I don't know what's, what's missing with them on the road course. I don't know what it is. You know, like, like you said, it was, it was good rate. It was a pretty good race. Um, they definitely need to change the format. This freaking 10 minute, um, you know, and like I said, I didn't watch it. I only caught the highlights of it, but I watched the one last year. I've seen the races there before that stuff where they're just pacing around. It's re ridiculous dude because yeah, rural america is way too big for that when you can turn the race off and go do something come back and they're still pacing yeah you know like, what i mean what the hell like, you can legitimately <laughs> run down the street and get a subway sandwich and come back and they haven't gone green yet like, and, and not missed a thing yeah <laughs> so they've got it they've got to do something with that i you know i'm of the opinion get rid of the stages like i'm just like get rid of them at least get rid of them on a road course mm -hmm. on all road courses yeah. if you're gonna do it to one do it to all of them yeah. just because it just takes too damn long mm -hmm. especially yeah. there and and the other road courses i guess you could say it takes too long too because by the time you catch the pace car they open up pit road now you gotta wait on the lucky dog and or wave arounds mm -hmm. and it it'd be different if they were picking up a big a big crash that'd yes. be totally different but they're not just do do the stage breaks just don't throw the yellow yeah exactly hand out the stage points and then just let let natural cautions play a big factor mm -hmm. or or race strategy play a big factor but there there's a reason why they're doing it i guess i don't yeah. know yeah so so hopefully they'll get that stuff figured out. But yeah, congrats to Tyler Reddick. It was awesome to see him get the win. And uh, I know there's a, a bunch of rumors circulating that Fourth of July weekend will be the Chicago Street Course, and I really hope it don't turn out to be that way. God, I hope not either. Well, and and I just oh god. What what makes me nervous about them taking it to Chicago is. I mean, let's be honest, Chicago's not the safest city to be in. And then you want to take them there 4th of July weekend where it really ain't safe at all? Well, not only that, it's a street circuit in Chicago. Street circuits suck, dude. Like, yeah. they, they're just... Like, even cars that are... Indie cars, okay? Indie cars, right? They're like made that that's what they're made for is circuits like they do okay on street circuits but even them there's street circuits where it's just too tight there's not enough room in a lot of places you know what i mean it's just it and the cup cars i don't know to me i think a street circuit just sounds horrible i get why nascar wants to try to do it i really do but it's just i don't I, oh my god i don't know if you're if your product is is to provide good entertaining races uh i don't think that's gonna work now look no i 
I could be wrong. And if they go to the Chicago, if they go to a Chicago street circuit, I hope that I am wrong. Okay. I absolutely hope that there is any, it's just, uh, if anything, do it as an all-star race. See, no, I would, I I would, that I wouldn't mind. I just, I, I don't know. I didn't like the fact that they moved 4th of July weekend because it's always been a big weekend in racing or in NASCAR mm-hmm. at Daytona, 4th of July weekend. I hated that they moved it, but I get, I get why they do what they do. But on one hand, do you want to go to Chicago on a holiday weekend with all the gun violence that happens in Chicago on that weekend? No. I mean, it's simple. No, don't. Yeah. Well, we'll see what they do. Hope, hopefully they don't do that. But I hope not either. Anyways, so. Tyler Reddick, we might as well stay on this topic since he got his first win, because <laughs> big news for Tyler Reddick. Tyler Reddick is going to be joining the 2311 race team. He's signed with 2311. But here's the kicker. <laughs> He's not joining the team until the 2024 season. So not this year, obviously, because they're still in the season. Not next season, but the season after. He has a full season and a half to go with RCR before he's going to 2311. Now, I... That's what shocked me the most was was that. Not the fact that he's going to 2311. Now, I, I've heard people say that he's taking a step back in terms of the quality of the team um, by leaving RCR and going to 2311. I don't know if that... I think RCR right now, you can make the argument that it is better than 2311 right now. I think part of that, though, has to do with Tyler Reddick. I really do. I don't... RCR is not what it was, okay? RCR today is not what RCR was, I mean, with Earnhardt, obviously, but even back with when you had Kevin Harvick and Jeff Burton, right? Like, it's not even what it was then. So, they've taken a big step back. I think 2311 is on the rise, and with their ties to... Not just Joe Gibbs racing, which is huge, but Toyota. And Toyota seems to really like, man, they seem to like really be all in on their on their teams, man. Like they really want to do good in NASCAR. And so I think big picture wise, it's a great move for Tyler Reddick. Now, I don't know because they haven't said this. We don't know if he's going to be replacing one of the two current drivers because both of them are guaranteed for next season. They have not said for 2024 yet. Or so, if they're going to be doing a third team. Basically, they're going to be doing a third team. Okay. Uh, Has that come stated, out? They stated that Bubba Wallace is there for the future. He has He's not going nowhere. And I know there's a bunch of fans out there pissed off because they think he should be moved. And then Denny also said... Kurt Busch has a ride for as long as Kurt Busch wants to race. That's awesome. So I know Denny has been talking about going to a three to four car team. And I think he's going to be in a new, it's going to be the third car 
number don't know. I'm going to guess 65. Um, yeah, he's going to be in a third car, which is good for Tyler Reddick. It is. Now, Denny Hamlin said when he was on the Dale Jr. download, he said that he thought three a three-car team was the sweet spot. He thought yeah. that that was like the sweet spot for what you would want to do in terms of being able to have those teams help one another and the personnel and, and information and stuff like that. Now, once you go beyond that, you get to like four car teams. Now it's kind of like starting over again, the way that he describes it. Um, you know, he was kind of making it obviously just putting it in like layman's terms, but that's kind of the way that he was seeing it. So oh. when I had heard Tyler Reddick was coming, I was thinking a three car team, but in the initial reports that I had heard was they hadn't said anything yet. Yeah. And, and they didn't really report it as it happened when Denny said it, Bubba will always be there. Kurt Busch has a home for as long as he wants. Mm-hmm. And and speaking on the three-car team stuff, I mean, look at Stuart Haas. When they hired Kevin Harvick, they were a three-car team. Tony Stewart wanted to keep it a three-car team. And then Gene Haas was like, well, we just hired Kurt Busch. We're going to make a four-car team. Yeah. And and look at Penske. Look how successful they've been as a three-car operation. Mm-hmm. And then they'd throw in a fourth car every now and again. I'd say the only real good and and I, I Hendrick has never really been a good four car team, really. I I'm not throwing shade at them, but they really haven't. Well, they've had four cars for a long time now. They have. And Hendrick has been dominant, but never never, never were car. all for all four car right. team were all four cars doing well at the same time, right? Like you had Gene I mean, Johnson long, dominating and then, you know, so-and-so not doing well or, you know. Look how so, yeah, long I get what Casey you're saying. Kane, look how long Casey Kane and Dale Jr. struggled Yeah, at Hendrick. And then they'd win a race here and there. And then 14 comes around and Jr. kind of, I'm not going to say dominates, but wins more races than he has at Hendrick. And I, I understand where Denny's coming from as a three-car team is the sweet spot because essentially you're starting all over when you – at a fourth car mm -hmm. and they're just ain't charters to go around to, to really have a four car team. Yeah. So that being said, man, RCR really fumbled this. I, I blame RCR for Tyler Reddick leaving because he's a superstar in the making. He's going to be a superstar of the sport. I mean, hell up till before he won his first race, he was already a superstar as it was and he was making RCR better than what they really appear to be. Because if you take Tyler Reddick out, do you hear about RCR? No. Absolutely yeah. not. Because Austin Dillon, he's had his moments, but he's also struggled a lot. So therefore, if you're RCR and you pick up his option, just sign him to a multi-year deal. Stop him hauling around with your grandson, Austin. Yeah, you want to keep him around also, but is your is he your superstar in that stable? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. And I've always said that. And I will always say that. So therefore, Tyler Reddick had to do what Tyler Reddick had to do as to look for his future. From what I heard, RCR wasn't even talking about future plans after the options. So 
Tyler Reddick took the next best thing. He did what Kevin Harvick did. Yeah. They did the same thing with Kevin Harvick. Yep. And I, it ain't the first time that this team has done that. No. Uh-uh. So. I mean, let's be honest here. We're talking about a team that kicked the other grandson to the curb. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I, you know, when I heard the news, I was not surprised that Tyler Reddick was going to 2311. Like I said, the only thing that I found shocking was the fact that it wasn't going to be until 2024. Um, but nevertheless, now if you're RCR, up, yeah, if, if you're RCR, do you, let me ask you this. If you are Richard Childress, Tommy, and you hear this news, do you tell, do you void the option next year? knowing that you have a guy in your stable that he could win you races, but he ain't going to be here next year. That's a tough one. That's I've seen, I've seen a bunch of comments, whether it be on Facebook or Twitter, that RCR just needs to kick him. They need to boot him. Yeah. But who are they going to put in that car? Exactly. I mean, who are they going to put in that? You got Austin Hill and, and, uh, your other Xfinity guy. They're not cup ready. No. Who are you going to put in that car that's going to provide you the results that Tyler Reddick can? Because here's the deal, folks. At the end of the day, RCR is a business. They need to perform, right? The, the, the livelihood of that business depends on it. These race teams are not charities. They, they, they have to turn a profit, and those profits are based on results. And right now, like Keith just said a few minutes ago, Tyler Reddick is the one pulling in the results for RCR. So do you look at him as, hey, man, we've got this mercenary for the next year. Let's milk him for all we can, right? Because look, at the end of the day, it's it's about incentives, right? What's the incentive for Tyler Reddick to do good next season? Well, the incentive is he's a race car driver. He wants to good, right? D wants to do good. No yep. race car driver has ever gone out onto the track and been like, man, dude, I really hope today I can tag the back in 35th. No, he's out there. He doesn't care who he's driving for. He wants to win, right? At the end of the day. What's the, what about a car owner, right? It's the same thing. Richard Childress wants to win races. So to me, you know, if they're, even though their incentives are not aligned for the long-term future in the near term, at least for next season, they are now look, RCR can feel slighted. They could, you know, feel like they got the rug pulled out from underneath them. But at the end of the day, okay, this is business and both sides of it. You know, th this happens on both sides of the, both sides of the aisle, right? Like this is something you always see in sports. It doesn't matter what racing, football, NBA, whatever, right? Oh, well, I mean, if you choose, if, if you think the owner got screwed, are you pro owner? No, I'm not. I just think that, you know, people should honor their contracts. Look, Tyler Reddick's honoring his contract. He's going to finish it out and then he's going to a new team. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. And, nothing wrong with it. It's no different than what Kevin Harvick did when he was there. Exactly. So, so you know, when what, you what would be the difference between that and RCR saying, Hey, look, man, next season, RCR being like, we are not renewing Tyler Reddick. We're going to go in a different, different yeah, route. There's no difference. Mm -hmm. No difference at all. And, and RCR made themselves vulnerable when they're like, well, we're just going to pick up his option and we'll figure out the rest later. No, the, yeah. the problem is, is Richard's been notorious of not paying his guys. Yep. Not, not handing out them big contracts. And he's done that ever since Dale seniors passed away. Yep. Which is very unfortunate because if if you open up the history book and let's go back to when Kevin Harvick was there, 
you take Kevin Harvick away, is Richard Childress Racing relevant? No. No, they're not. No, he carried not really. he carried that team from yeah. other the time than he other happened. than a few other than a few, you know, choice seasons a, from Jeff Burton yeah. and, and Clint Boyer. It was it was Kevin Harvick. That's who it's yeah, been. He he carried the flag mm-hmm. for that team. They picked up his option. They didn't want to look into the future, and he said, "Piss on it. I'm going to gamble on myself, and I'm out. Yep. I'm going elsewhere." Tyler Reddick's doing the same thing, and I don't blame him because one, you got to look out for yourself first. And Absolutely, foremost. absolutely. First and foremost, you have to make sure you and your family has a a future set in stone. And he didn't. He didn't know what was going to be next after next year. Who's to say Childress says, "Oh, well, we picked up your option. Now, now we're going to let you go." We're not going to renew you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, exactly. I get both sides. It's a business, yes, but first and foremost, Tyler Reddick's got to do what Tyler Reddick's got to do to provide for his family, and he did mm-hmm. probably the best thing he could do. I think twenty three eleven is a team on the rise, thanks to Kurt Busch, who is helping make that team relevant more so on the performance side than the mockery from the 23 car. Yeah. But I think Tyler Reddick's, he could break out in two years there. He really could. I mean, we've seen it happen with Kevin Harvick going from RCR to Stuart Haas. He had a revenge year. The first year he was with them, he, he took a dagger and stuck it right in Richard's back and was like, look what, look what we could have done. If you would have made the changes necessary within the team. And, it ain't the first time RCR has fumbled a driver's contract. I mean, yeah. like I said before, we're talking about a car owner that kicked the other grandson to the curb. Yep. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. For so, Daniel Hemrick, who was in the car for a year. Yeah. So, so congrats to Tyler Reddick, man. That's awesome. Got his first win, then gets his this deal with absolutely. 2311. So. That's, I'm I'm privileged to know that I camped with him and didn't even know it at the time. Yep. So but he was a kid running late models. <laughs> so good for him, man. All right. Well, on to the dirt side, because we did have a couple of interesting things that had happened. Obviously, we had some really good racing at Cedar Lake during Fourth of July weekend. Um, that was awesome. Um We've had some really good races. Macedo got another win. But the big story, obviously, is this weekend. As last night was the Joker's Wild. David Gravel got the win there. And we've got the King's Royal this weekend. We've got the big one tonight. Tomorrow night's the night before. And then Saturday night's the King's Royal. Now, we'll dive into the King's Royal and everything that happens next week. But before we move on to the big news with regarding... Kyle Larson and the midgets. Keith, I want your pick for who you think is going to win the Kings Royal. Huh, man, this is tough. Let's see. One second, one second. I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Sheldon. Okay. Well, then I'm gonna go to my backup pick, David Gravel. <laughs> Sheldon was, was my Sheldon was my one. Sheldon was my number one. Gravel was my number two. Yeah, David was my other guy that there I was thinking go. about yep. between him and Justin Marks, because Justin Marks has been pretty good at Eldora. Sheldon's been really good. 
David yeah. Brian, been Brian really Brown good. looked really good too. He did. He looked damn good last night. Was that mm-hmm. the same yeah. Brian Brown from? Because mm-hmm. usually he doesn't. Let Let me back up here. Brian Brown historically hasn't ran good at Eldora. Nope. And he he looked really good last night. Yeah, he was good last night. Uh, put it on the podium and was was fast. So. So yeah. All right. Well. We will. Kyle Larson is running this weekend, so I mean, we'll we'll see. I thought about picking him, but I wanted to actually go with a consistent outlaw. So yeah, I'll go with David Gravel. Keith has got Sheldon Hodenshield, so we'll see what happens there. But we got to talk about this news with Kyle Larson because you told me about. I didn't even know about this, and you told me about this before the show. So what what's going on with Kyle Larson and the and the Chili Bowl? So. Basically, Kyle has came out and said, I, I'm not making any plans to run in the Chili Bowl next year because of the uh, the purse being so low. And I I, I agree to a point. There, there's got to come a time if, if you're going to consider that the most prestigious race of the year, maybe start paying the guys like it's a prestigious race. Yes. Exactly. Absolutely. Times are changing, and yeah, I get that the Chili Bowl will be here much longer after than Kyle Larson, and it's always been the biggest race. That's the case. Pay it like it's the biggest race. Yes. You you have thousands, thousands of fans. Whether you're a dirt late model fan or a World of Outlaw Sprint Car fan, thousands of fans go and watch this race. Not to mention, hundreds of drivers enter in. And yeah, I get the promoter came out and said, well, I just don't have the money to put up that kind of money. I get that. But we're in a business of sponsorships. Drive everything. Yep, exactly. I, I feel like Emmett Hahn needs to come out and be like, all right, well, now I need to, I need to secure more and better sponsorships, for one. and. And he came out and said, I won't be paying 50000 to win because he doesn't have it. I get that. I get it. You, you rent the building for that week. You put in all the work and yada, yada, yada. But when you make a million from the Tulsa shootout and the Chili Bowl just in concession revenue, come on yes. now. You yes. can put up a little more than $10,000 for that weekend. Yes. I'm telling you right now, there's no way that he's losing money. Because, yeah, you're right. No. The amount of money that they're making. Not to mention, and for those of you who have not been to the Chili Bowl, let me explain to you what it's like. Because I've been there. We raced in it. Okay, I was there a couple years in a row. The Chili Bowl, people see it on TV, right? I mean, there's I know people who are fans of racing. And it's like the only dirt midget race they watch all year long, right? Like it's the, it's the only one people think of the chili bowl as these, you know, these, these races that happen and there's all these cars there and you got all this racing five nights in a row and it's just all about, it's great. But you got to understand the 12 hours during the day before the racing even starts, there is a trade show that happens on that floor that is enormous every single vendor everything that you can think of that has anything to do with racing and then a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with racing they're just there because there's so many people there 
is happening. And every single one of those spots, those people are paying for. Uh, they are 100% paying for, right? If Weld Wheels is on the floor there, they're, they are paying to be there, right? People are paying to be, to be on that floor to sell their products, okay? They're not there for free. It's not like the Chili Bowl is going, hey, you know what, Hooters? We think you're great. Could you come here and sell your stuff on our floor? We'll do it for free. No, that's not happening because they're looking at it and saying, hey, look, we're the attraction. We're the ones bringing all these people in here. If you want to come on our floor and our trade show and sell your products, you're going to have to buy a booth. You're going to have to pay for that. Yeah. Right? And that's that's just that. You have people who are there for literally 14, 15 hours a day. And like Keith said, you've got concessions. You've, you've got all kinds of money coming in. Right. And, and not only just from the Chili Bowl, look how big the Tulsa shootout has grown to. They had the a Tulsa shootout is huge. A thousand cars last year. And every one You're of those cars me? is a registration fee and yep. everything. And, and your vendors are usually there for two weeks. Oh, exactly. Whoever's there for the Tulsa shootout stays for the Chili Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee they either pay 75 and up for their booth either a day or a week. Oh, at least. At least. They have to. Mm-hmm. So therefore, and then Em and Han throwing shade at the guys like they just got to run to the media. They never ran to the media. Kyle Larson didn't run to the media and say, hey, guys, put this out. They asked him this at a race. Mm-hmm. So therefore, Emmett, yeah, I get what you're saying, that it it was growing before them and it'll grow after. It it certainly will. And and I don't blame Kyle Larson. He's finally putting the foot down like, hey, guys, it, it just don't pay enough. And I well, agree. It really don't. No, because here's the deal. That race paid what it's paying when I was there. Okay, it's it, it been like the same payout for a forever. I mean, it's been like that for 20 years. I mean, it's been like that for so long. And I understand he has to pay rent and all that stuff like that. But I just don't see how you can't. They're not saying, hey, let's go from 10 grand to 150K. But. Make it 20. Make it something more than what an extreme outlaws midget race pays. Come on. You know what I mean? Those races are paying that. Let's be honest. This is the biggest weekend of all all racing. Dirt racing aside. It it, it, it really is. This is the Daytona 500 for any dirt racer in the country. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have late model guys renting cars for a thousand plus knowing I might not make the show, oh but my I'm going to rent this car because this this dirt midget race is the most prestigious race in the country. Yep, and and it just it needs to change with the times. That this race has paid ten grand for the last fifteen twenty plus years. Yeah, it's time it's time to give these guys what they deserve, and I feel like they deserve more than ten thousand dollars for a seven day show, yeah, or an eight day show. Sometimes two weeks because you have guys that run both the Tulsa shootout and the Chili Bowl. Yeah. So it's time to start paying these guys and and up the pay a little bit. I agree. It don't need to be no 50000 to win. Maybe 20, 25. Hell, you can even make it 30. And I think guys will still show up. I mean, guys are going to show up either way. But 
Yeah. I, I just, it's time to move forward with the times, pay, pay it like it is a prestigious race and not, not talk about it being the most prestigious race. Yes. And, and that's another thing is that, that, that race, what you have to do to be competitive in that event because it's a one-off event, you know, because keep in mind the Chili Bowl, it's not a it's not a USAC event, right? It's not a power eye, you know what I mean? It's not like it's it's part of some sanctioning governing body. Right? The the rules at the Chili Bowl are like very unique to the Chili Bowl. Yeah. Like I told like, the story, I spent two weeks just building the fing wheels for the Chili Bowl. I mean, and, you spend thousands of dollars just for the Chili Bowl. And you know, as well as I know, there's teams out there that put their Chili Bowl cars up in the loft and they don't come back down till a month before the Chili Bowl to yes. get them ready. Mm-hmm. Once when they're done running them, they go right back up in the loft because they're, they're special cars for a special race. Yep, exactly. So it's sad to see, um, you know, that, 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 that's where we're at with it because like you said it is the biggest week in dirt racing it really is you know that that whole even though even if you're somebody who's not big into to mini sprints right you know the the 600s and stuff the Tulsa shootout is a huge deal right there's people from all over the world like you talk a thousand cars show up for that you have guys who are kyle bush was running in the tulsa shootout last year you know what i mean like that's a that's, yeah. that's huge and he and he, and he knew damn mm-hmm. well enough coming into that weekend that i probably ain't gonna make the show but i'm showing up either way yeah that's the same thing with the chili bowl you have guys renting cars that either a run once a year and that's the chili bowl Mm-hmm. And we'll never make the show, but guess what? They still keep showing up because it's the most prestigious weekend in racing. Yep. And it will continue to be that way. Yep. I've always looked at it as like this weekend, for instance, you got the King's Royal. I think the Chili Bowl is more prestigious than the Chili than the King's Royal. That's just me because you it, it's this one big weekend where you have thousands upon thousands of people showing up. I mean, there's a reason why tickets sell out. In a month after they open the ticket sales, it's so hard to get tickets to this race because it's so prestigious. And you're telling me you can't raise the the purse another ten thousand? Come on now. If that's the case, hand over the keys to somebody that will put up the money for it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. This, so. this it, and I hate to be so edgy about it. But there, there comes a time to where are you trying to make money off of it, or are you still trying to build it as what it should be? Yes, because I, I take it as in Emmett Hans trying to pocket a little more extra money, and it shouldn't be that way. Yeah, and look, I have, and I want to make this completely clear, and I know Keith feels the same way. I have no problem with Emmett Hahn making a profit. I don't. No, I am. He should. A- capitalist all the way i think you should make your margins as profitable as possible at the same time though you have to you cannot bite the hand that feeds you and we've seen the chili bowl grow exponentially over these these this last decade especially right and to see what it has become and when you have the prize money that is still basically what it was back then where where's the where's where's the the difference right if the car counts have doubled but the prize money's the same right you have to pay to race that event 
right? You, 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 teams are, you, there's an entry fee for that. It's not free. You don't just show up with your car yeah, and be like, all right, we're here. I think it's $250 a car. It's, it's not cheap. No. Yeah. So, and, you and, know, it's, it's, where's that, where's that money going? Right. And I agree with you. Emmett Hahn needs to make his money. Mm-hmm. He needs, he needs to make a profit because yep. he busts his ass for those two weeks and then months of, of preparation for this, as far as getting the track ready, getting everything set up. Yeah, I agree. He needs paid. But on the other hand, the drivers need paid also. Because guess what? Without the drivers, you wouldn't have the chili bowl. Yes, you're right. Yep. Yep, exactly. So, so yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Um, a lot of, obviously, we still have a long ways to go. Um, with the chili bowl not being for another six months. So we'll be, we'll see what happens with it, but let's just, let's do it. We got an ask three wide question. So Kyle writes this. He says, Tommy Keith, love the show. You talked about the race team as a marketing business, but I want to ask you guys, what do you think is the best way to get sponsors? All right, Keith, I, you want to go first? Cause I know this from both ends. Okay. I believe it or not, I get hit up all the time for sponsorship because of my business. And then I also know what it's like to look for sponsorship. So Keith, what, what do you think is the best way to go about getting sponsors? Well, um, just from my experience, and this is just me being a racer trying to find sponsorship, is you have to build a portfolio. You you have to have a good layout on paper of either good things about yourself written down, things that you, you project to do in the future as far as your racing, how you're going to benefit that business yes. as, a, as a sponsor. Because when... When you're asking these people, they're they're gonna either say yes or no. And if they say yes, you you've got to put on a, a different appearance because you're gonna be representing that brand. You you will be the face of that brand per se. So like if, if I go and I sit down with Tommy and hey, would you sponsor me? He says yes and, and now I have his brand on my chest, on my fire suit, on on my hauler on my car. Now I'm representing him. Yep. And, and now you got to have this good appearance. You can't be out beating the crap out of people in the pits because then they're going to be like, well, he's sponsored by such and such. And then it's just going to give you a black eye. And then it's going to give this guy a black eye. And then it'll, it'll give Tommy's business a black eye. And you really have to sit down and, and, uh, Build a build a good resume. Put mm-hmm. a put on paper of of what you want to do and what you're projected to do. Put some accolades that you've gotten in the past. I mean, it always helps to say, "Hey, look, I won a championship and such and such, and I've won X amount of races." And and even, I mean, I I've seen people put references from other race car drivers promoters on their their sponsorship forms, but you, you've got to, you got to show them how it's going to be represented. Like on, on our sponsor sheets, we would have a layout of what the car would look like with your business, what it would look like if we went with your colors or if we didn't go with your colors and what your, how big the logo would be and what the racing suit would look like with your logo on it. I mean, I know there's companies out there that help get sponsorship and, 
they're a little better at it than I am because I never really had truly any success getting some major sponsorship. But, I mean, that's just my take on it. Yes. So, those things are all good points. And Kyle Keith is 100% correct. And I have been that per- I am that person right now. Okay, I, I I I go to brands and sponsors right now and look, you know, talk to them or potential advertisers and stuff like that. Whether it be for this podcast or my other business, right, my YouTube channel, whatever it is. But I also have a successful business, so I have lots of people who come to me. And there's one thing that I can tell you. Um, it's this, and it's it's what not to do, okay? And I see this in so many different aspects of the world that we live in today, and I believe it, a lot of it has to do with the instantaneous aspect of our world, whether it be social media, right, the internet, whatever. And basically, I will get, I was just talking to a bunch of the guys last night about this. Because I saw your question, Kyle, and I just got hit up in the last couple of weeks. I've been hit up probably three times for sponsorships. And I will get a message from somebody. I don't know who they are. I've never once had any correspondence with them. Not hi, hello, kiss my ass, nothing. I, I've never heard from them, not an email message, nothing. And they'll show up to my, my community online or they'll send me an email and they'll say, hey, I'm doing this. Would you like to sponsor me? Here's what we're doing. And it's like, no, I I don't. I don't want to sponsor you. I don't know who you are. I've had zero communication with you. And the entire time that you're pitching me this, you are not telling me what it does for me, right? And that's the thing that you need to understand. When I go to a company, right? whether it's big, small, whatever. And here's the thing. You don't have to be some super established, you know, successful driver to get a sponsorship. You really don't. If you know how to present yourself, you need to be able to convey a message that states, here's how I am going to benefit you. That's it. It's not, hey, I'm this and this is what, you know, I'm going to do. And uh, no, what are you, what do you do that benefits them? Right? Like that's the key. Convey that message. It doesn't matter if you're going to be running around at the back of the pack. If you can convince them that you being out there with their name on your car is a benefit to them, then you've got a shot. That's all it, it's, it really is that simple. And you need to be able to communicate with people. You need to establish a relationship with people. That's the biggest issue that that I see in social media today and in businesses in a general in general. Cuz I have people who hit me up all the time and they ask me, "Hey man, I'm starting a a business similar to what I've got online." And they'll say, "How did you grow your business?" right? Or, "Hey, I'm selling the same thing that you're selling, but nobody's coming." What do I need to do? And it's like, you didn't do the 100 steps that I did before. You didn't do any of the stuff 
to provide value to people before you ever even thought about asking someone for money, right? Like look at the podcast industry. We see this across the board right now. And you see this from famous people, athletes. Dude, there's, I mean, how many millions and millions of podcasts are there? Yet 90, I think it's 97% of the ad revenue for all podcasts goes to like 2% of podcasts. Like it's super small. And it's because most people, they start doing a podcast because they see other people doing podcasts, making money. And they're like, well, I could do that. I can talk. And then they do a couple episodes and it's like, all right, where's my check? How come I don't have advertisers knocking down my door? I'm such and such. I'm a big deal. Well, yeah, but you're not here. You're nothing here. You haven't established anything. And, and how do you benefit those advertisers, right? You don't. You think that because you're just going to turn on a microphone, start talking that you're going to be valuable. You're not. You've got to be able to convey that to those to those those brands, those sponsors, those companies. Like Keith said, really be able to present that. Because if you can present that, you can get sponsors. Dude, we got sponsors when we were starting the race team. We got sponsors. We had zero experience. It was like, dude, we're going from racing go-karts to 410 sprint cars, right? I get, that's a big jump. You, you might as well say he's never raced before. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> he's, he's as rookie as rookie gets, but we were able to find sponsors. And it's because Ron was a genius at being able to convey a message of saying, hey, this is how we're going to benefit you. And that's what you got to be able to do. So focus on that, man. Establish relationships and really provide value for people and look to look to provide value long before you ever get anything in return. Do that and I promise the money will take care of itself. I know it's hard. It's super hard when you want to do something and you're trying to figure out how do I put together the money for this. It's so easy to be like, oh, I'll just get some sponsors, right? Because if that comes together, right? Then boom, you've got it. Last night I was talking to guys and I've been talking to my brother about this because we've got the stuff to build a race car now. And my brother's getting into cross carts. I don't think I want to do cross carts. One of the things I was looking at was either doing an IMCA mod or dwarf car racing. I've always liked dwarf cars um, and I can get into those for just a few thousand dollars and I could do it all myself. I wouldn't need a crew of guys. I could operate that myself and do everything I need to myself. And, you know, looking at that, I start planning out, right? And I'm in the very early stages of it. I've, I've, been, I've been considering this for a week, okay? So, but, but planning that out, when I look at how is that, how am I going to be able to provide value to sponsors with that, right? Like I'm already starting to look at that. And that's the route that you want to go. How do you provide value to them? If you start thinking about it from, from that point of view, as opposed to how can I get them on board so I can get money, flip that perspective and I, you'll be able to get some sponsors, my man. So thank you very much for the email. I really appreciate it. If anybody else out there wants to ask us a question, um, just send it to ask3wide at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, so that'll do it all for this week. Uh, Keith, my man, get some rest and, uh, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Got to gear up. Cause we've got the greatest week of racing coming up next week. We've got the Indiana sprint week. Can't wait. I, I know, man, we got, we got a lot of good racing coming up, man. We got Kings Royal this weekend, Indiana sprint weeks coming up. We've got the, 
Uh, Knoxville Nationals aren't far away. Um, uh, dude, for me, we've got. I'm, I'm pumped. I'm, I'm trying to get to this. I want to get to the Skagit Nationals because that's not well. It's like a 12 hour drive, but I, I've got a lot of family up there. I want to drive up and catch that, and then catch the Gold Cup when they come down to California because it's like only a couple of weeks apart. So hopefully we can do that here rounding out the summer. Cause yeah, it's, uh, it's things are starting to really, really pick up, man. It's a lot of fun. So yep. Get some rest so you can go hit all them Indiana sprint week tracks. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And all you guys out there, hope you have an awesome weekend. Please keep doing what you're doing. Make sure you like download, subscribe, follow all that stuff. Please keep it up and uh, make sure to come over and, and check out the new, uh, YouTube page. It's just, just check out three wide in the middle on YouTube. You'll see it. Um, like I said, there's nothing up yet. I'll have the first video up here in the next day or two, but head over there and subscribe. So that way you get notified uh, when the first video does go up, but that'll do it. You guys, thank you very much as always. And until next week, we want to wish you a great weekend. Take care.